Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. If you have a lot of leaning trees and shrubs on your property, chances are there's an ill wind blowing around your home. Our favorite retired college horticulture professor, Debbie Flower, has some ideas on helping your plants survive, even thrive, in areas with persistent winds. UC Davis Arboretum Superintendent Emeritus Warren Roberts tells us about a popular fall-blooming plant of the week. It's the goldenrod, also known as solidago. And as you will find out, it's nothing to sneeze at. It's on episode 143 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We like to answer your garden questions here on the Garden Basics Podcast. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. And we get a question from San Luis Obispo County on the Pacific Ocean in the middle of the state. It's a beautiful area. Here's Lisa with her question. Hi, my name is Lisa, and I live in Arroyo Grande, California, three miles from the ocean. Any tree I plant always has a terrible leeward bend. Any suggestions? Thank you. And I love your show. Thank you for calling. And she called us at 916-292-8964. 916-292-8964. You, too, can call and leave a low-quality audio question with us uh, to, to answer. Or, for high audio quality... Go on your computer or your smartphone to speakpipe.com slash gardenbasics, speakpipe.com slash gardenbasics, and then all you have to do is yell at the phone, and the question will get here in, in real high audio quality. So let's uh, tackle uh, Lisa's uh, question there. Yeah, when you live uh, near the coast where there are persistent winds, and that uh-huh. can be in many places across yes. the country, uh, inland as well. Uh, you know what farmers have been doing for years and years and years is building windbreaks. Right, right. One term we might need to define for landlubbers is leeward or leeward, and that is. Ooh, you must have lived near the coast. I did live near the coast. Leeward, yes, leeward. My father leeward. was a shellfish farmer, yes, uh, for a while, and then he became a professor. But anyway, yes, leeward is is to the to the safe side to the for a boat you want to get it out of the wind it's away from the wind and so it's toward the land from from the coast and and that's because the wind is coming off the coast it's hitting this plant which is very young persistently hitting this plant and it it's causing it to bend toward the land i'm real confused now i always thought if you had your face in the wind you're facing windward yes okay lured is away from the wind yeah so her trees were Bending away from the wind. Away from, okay. To the leeward side. Okay, bending to the leeward side. Yes, yes. Leeward. I will never say leeward again. Leeward, yes. Well, live around (laughs) guys who are on boats all day. (laughs) That's what they say. Um, And you're absolutely right. A windbreak is the thing to do. When I lived in Reno, it's a very, very windy place Mm -hmm. because it's right on the east side of the Sierra Nevada. And the, the winds come, the cold air 
It comes up the California side, the air goes up the California side, it cools off at the top of the hills, and then it comes zooming down on the on the Reno side. And it was so windy that I used to joke that one day the wind stopped and, and I fell over because I'd been walking at an angle all the time. Anyway. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's interesting because I, I, I once did a really stupid bike ride that went from Lake Tahoe to Baker, Utah, mm. along Highway 50. And so that's a, a west to east and every afternoon while doing that, there would just be heinous winds out of the south. Out of the south? Out of the south, yeah. And mm. they would pick up in the afternoons. And you're saying in Reno, which is not that far north of Highway 50, mm-hmm. that the winds were coming out of the west? Mm-hmm, yes. Huh, okay. Yes, it was so bad I couldn't... The playgrounds, my kids were young, and the playgrounds had sand in them, and you just got sandblasted. It was horrible. But anyway, they had a display, actually. When they finally put together a display garden in the Walter Mays Arboretum, they had a display by a local uh, landscape architect of windbreaks for that reason, because there were so many... Uh, uh, problems with winds in gardens in in Nevada. So the windbreak is the solution. A row of tall plants, poplars, Lombardi poplars are often used. You don't to create a windbreak. Something tall and narrow. The casuarina I have could be used for that. Uh, in the garden, they made they did man-made ones with posts and uh, wove rubber actually uh, strips through it. And this, the only the big thing to understand about a windbreak is you're you're not building a wall, you're not trying to stop the wind. If you build a solid wall, the wind will hit it and it will go up the wall, pick up speed, come over the other side. It'll miss a section right on, uh, close to the fence, but when it comes down on the other side, it'll come down even harder. So you're you're just uh, revving the wind up by building a wall that it will hit. You want to build something that has spaces between it. Uh, so a row of trees with spaces between it or or some sort of posts uh, fencing, but it has to have spaces between it. When I lived in the country, we were battered every winter by the winds out of the southeast to mm-hmm. the point where truly the, the that side of the house was sandblasted mm-hmm. and, and water would seep in underneath mm-hmm. the patio door and through the windows. And I started doing a lot of w- research about windbreaks. And there are plenty of eucalyptus trees uh, in that area of Sacramento County out in the country and I started planting eucalyptus seed but I planted three different varieties about uh, let's say about 200 feet 150 feet away from the house the first row was the eucalyptus leucoxylon which tops out at about 25 or 30 feet mm-hmm. then and th- those trees were spaced in a row running perpendicular to that to winter house, wind. To that well, corner. To that, that winter wind. To the wind. Yeah. Okay. And those trees were spaced eight feet apart. The next row up, moving closer to the house, was 20 feet up the hill from that. Mm-hmm. And I planted another variety of eucalyptus that got about 40 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So that's it went from a 20-foot row to a 40-foot row. Then the third row I planted was eucalyptus globulus, the blue gum tree, which gets 50 to 60 feet mm-hmm. tall. So you, what you ended up with, if you were looking at the tops of the trees, it would look like the design of an airplane wing. Mm-hmm. And an airplane wing is designed to add lift. To get the wind yeah. off the top. Yeah, and to raise whatever it is. And it turns out, and it works, that if you have three rows like that, whatever the tallest row is, it's going to protect 
up to seven times that height. Away from it. Away from it, mm-hmm. from, uh, from the wind. So with those 50-foot eucalyptus, along with those two other rows, it raised the wind up to 50 feet times seven, 350 feet. It protected. Wow. So that house was protected. So if Lisa has a lot of property. Mm-hmm. She could, <laughs> Probably not, but whatever. <laughs> she could, they would have to be salt-tolerant plants because she's right near the coast. Yeah. But she could build, build a, a windbreak out of different heights of shrubbery. They, will, they too, will be battered by the wind. And so she'll probably never get anything as tall as 50 feet. But she will get a protected area on that far side of it, the inland side of it. My guess, being in Arroyo Grande, it's very expensive real estate and they're very small lots. Mm. So let, let's uh, delve into some reality for, yes. for Lisa. Yes. And uh, maybe just go with evergreen shrubs. They're going to bend as well. They will? Yes. Yeah, so uh-huh. If you go to the coast and look at uh, um, evergreen trees, let's say conifers, pines, they are all sort of low and and wide because they're they're beat by the wind all the time. So if she had um, some sort of posts, it'd have to be very tall. She could get a lot of telephone poles and then... <laughs> <laughs> Your neighbors love it, Lisa. <laughs> weave, <laughs> weave the, the rubber between them and leave spaces between the rubber and that will uh, stop the wind. Or a bamboo fence that's very tall and very securely attached to posts. It's going to be tough. And you probably have CCNRs that wouldn't allow you anything more than eight feet tall. Probably. Yes. Yes. It's going to be tough. Move, Lisa. Yeah. Go inland. Do something. I wonder about a shade sail that's on an angle. This is producing the wall, and it's mm-hmm. but it's sort of yeah. reproducing the structure you were talking about that you made with the eucalyptus, where it's low at the one end and goes up high. That would take the wind up over the top. It, you'd have to really secure that shade sail. Okay, well, explain this one to me, Lucy. When I was growing the pin oaks and the scarlet oaks, and there was a persistent wind the rest of the year from the west, the delta winds from the west. Mm -hmm. And in their early stages of life, these pin oaks and scarlet oaks had a definite bend eastward. Mm -hmm. And some, I forget who told me, they said, don't worry about it. They'll straighten themselves out. They did. Did they straighten themselves out? Or the other thing a tree will do is on that bent part. Again, it has to do with hormones. We were talking about oxen before. It has to do with collection of hormones mm-hmm. at that spot. Will generate a new leader from that spot. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but why would tr- that one be straight? Well, you said the wind changed. That- well, well the, the winter wind, which is the worst, was coming out of the southeast. But that was only during the winter. Spring, summer, and fall, the persistent afternoon wind was out of the west. And it was really windy. Okay. And... Yes, well, ha- those young trees did have a bend to them to the east, but in time, I didn't see it. It can be continuous. Here's another bypass. Okay. I started a mesquite tree from seed. We did it at school, and uh, somebody who worked in, in caring for the plants, the tree was maybe a foot tall, topped it. Bad thing to do to a tree. Mm-hmm. And it, so it didn't develop a, a, a leader. It It just had all these floppy branches and so I staked up a branch and it bent over at the top and then another branch formed and it bent over at the top and another branch formed and it bent over so it just was a continuous addition of a new at that bent spot it got a new branch which then would get to a certain height and not and 
fall over itself. And then at that bent spot on the second branch, it would bend over and it would throw a branch. And then the third branch would throw a branch. And I now have a, a mesquite tree that I can walk under that has a relatively straight trunk uh, from all of those new branches growing together as a single trunk. So plants can be pretty amazing. But in that whole thing, I did not hear you say, so top your trees. <laughs> no, no, topping trees is the wrong thing to do. Yes. But judicious pruning, if you do see something that's starting to go up straight, you can you remove the uh, some of the side growth so that you get uh, it becomes the leader. You can choose the leader. I just thought of an answer for Lisa. Mm-hmm. This will work. And Lisa, you'll make money from it. <laughs> Around here, especially in the more rural areas, when the cell phone people are putting up towers, they will uh, bow to local demand and disguise mm-hmm. the towers. Mm-hmm. And some of these towers look like ugly Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. But you know, at first glance, you think, oh, that's a weird looking tree. But you think it's a tree from mm-hmm. a distance. So, Lisa, you could contract with Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile <laughs> and all those companies to build cell towers in your backyard oh, and, dis- you and disguise them as a tree. There you go. And then you've got a windbreak. A metal tree. And your neighbors would kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have great reception. So, ultimately, yes, it's. I don't think we have a good answer for Lisa. There are things to try, but it's she's working against a very strong force of nature. Move. Yeah, that's, or grow something shorter, shorter than your fence. Right. Uh, bonsai. <laughs> <laughs> that's really short. Yes. Well, we tried, Lisa. Thanks for your question. We'll move on. Debbie Flower, thanks for your help on this. Always fun to do this, Fred. Thank All you. Right. We're glad to have Smart Pots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. Smart Pots, it's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots come in a wide array of sizes and colors. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the Smart Pots that have handles make them easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside for the winter. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of SmartPots lightweight, colorful fabric containers. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy SmartPots at Amazon. If you want to see them before you buy, SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. If you're thinking of growing fruit trees, or maybe you already have your own backyard full of fruit trees, well, you probably have a million questions. Like, which fruit trees will grow well where I live? What are the tastiest fruits to grow? How do I care for them? What are the most important things to know when starting a backyard orchard? Well, the good news is those answers are just a click away with the informative videos that you can find at DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest grower of fruit trees for the backyard garden. At DaveWilson.com, you'll also find planting tips, taste test results, fruit variety recommendations, and links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com.
Every week, we like to talk with Warren Roberts. He's the Superintendent Emeritus of the UC Davis Arboretum and Public Garden. He always has an interesting plant of the week for us, something that might be putting on a show right now where you live. And today's plant is one that uh, is widely available and widely grown. It's nothing to sneeze at. It's goldenrod. <laughs> goldenrod. Well, let's take your phrase, nothing to sneeze at. As a matter of fact, contrary to popular uh, opinions, the goldenrod does not cause hay fever. Are they paying you to say that? No, no. (laughs) I don't have have any investment in that. No, that that is printed on on most most information that you find out about, about Solidago. However, many of them are used as, as medicine, so it's not so much causing trouble as it's uh, helping cure difficulties, health difficulties. Um, we won't go into that today, but you can look look that people can look that up on on the web. Soldadago, goldenrod, medicinal uses. Now, as as is often the case, uh, the scientific name is uh, subject to science. So if, if uh, new changes are uh, found, then the nomenclature sometimes shifts. Luckily for Solidago, most of the cultivated ones that we have are Solidago still. But there are some of the ones in cultivation are now called Euthamia. Some are called Bigaloia. There are about five more, uh, mainly native to the, the southeast uh, U.S., and uh, and actually uh, on into uh, the western United States, down into Mexico. Uh, there are some species, or generally, which are all just found in the deserts. But Solidago is the main generic name to use. Now, there are uh, uh, different different forms of Solidago. Some are ground covers. Some are, are tall. They do tend to move around in the garden a little bit, uh, but they're useful. Now, Solidago can come in any color that you want as long as it's yellow. <laughs> now, there are some hybrids between goldenrod and Michael Nastasi. They're called solidaster, um, and they, but they pretty much look like goldenrods, too, the ones I've seen anyway. The ones that are ground covers, or that is to say low-growing, have, I think, a, a very nice uh, usefulness in the garden, and they really only need once-a-year care. When they start looking... Uh, after the flowers have, uh, have faded, uh, the plants start to look a little ratty. Then just cut them back to the ground, and they'll come back for you. They can also be propagated easily by division. So a pretty useful uh, genus for the garden. Some get really tall at four feet or so, and then some are low-growing. So you have you have your choice with this with this useful uh, genus of flowering plants, and they produce a lot of color this time of year. So a good fall blooming plant. And they're not very particular about the soil they're in, are they? No, they're not. They're they uh, pretty much like most any plant, like well-drained soil. But uh, you can have things growing clay or loam or even rocks. <laughs> so they're pretty, pretty useful. I remember a, a garden in Sparks, Nevada, um, that was really a, a big rock, and the goldenrods did fine there. They do need a little water in summer to thrive. Even the even the California native does better if you water it a little bit in the summer. 
full sun or light shade. The Soledago, the Goldenrod uh, does quite well. Many of the latest hybrids, too, are uh, very recommended uh, with names like Crown of Rays, Golden Baby, Golden Mosa, and Little Lemon, all of which get, oh, maybe two feet high or so. So that's a, a, a nice selection you might find at your local nursery. The Goldenrod, the plant of the week, courtesy of Warren Roberts from the UC Davis Arboretum and Public Garden. Their website, arboretum.ucdavis.edu. Pay a visit. Check out all the plants that they have there in the Arboretum at UC Davis. And you can read about the plant sales that they have coming up in October as well. If you happen to be in Northern California, you might want to check that out. The Goldenrod. Warren Roberts, thanks so much for uh, making me put the Claritin away. (laughs) You're welcome, Fred. Because there are so many demands on your time these days, well, I like to keep the Garden Basics podcast to under 30 minutes. But still, there's a lot more to tackle on all the garden subjects we bring up on the podcast. So for that and a lot more, we're starting up the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It'll be on Substack. It'll go into more details about what you just heard on the latest podcast. So yes, it will be a good supplement for the Garden Basics podcast, but there'll be a lot more garden-related material and, uh, you know, probably pictures of my dogs and cats as well. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It's on Substack. And best of all, it's free. There's a link in today's show notes, or just go to substack.com and do a search for The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. That's substack.com, The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. Did I tell you it's free? It's free. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by SmartPots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.